Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How are you doing? Oh, I know. Hey, you know what? We can go to a restaurant today, starting today, with no almost no one in there. I mean, what is the point of going to a restaurant if you can't like talk about everybody and eavesdrop, right? But I shouldn't be saying that because I want everybody to support our restaurants. So anyway, um, I'm coming from you. I'm coming to you from Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit every here every Thursday. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. If you did not know that, our radio station is so knocking it out of the park this week. Oh my God! I got to tell you what we're doing. Okay, so. We're doing the Wall of Lies. It's a 500 foot public art exhibit displaying all 20,000 plus false statements made by that guy that was yelling on TV last night. Uh, now, let me, let me tell you something. These statements are from a database from the Washington Post, okay? We, we were able because we're Radio Free Brooklyn, we were able to get these and turn them into a wall of art. A wall of lies is, is we're also, so anyway, it's uh, this mural, oh, here, so I gotta tell you all the details, right? And I'm trying to read and talk to you at the same time. I'm not prepared. You should prepare better than I do. And we have somebody who's gonna be on in a minute, Jen Hitchings, and she's gonna tell you if you're an artist, how to do that, you know, I, maybe I need to, I will be listening closely. Anyway, so it's, uh, the Wall of Lies is outside Pine Box Rock, Rock Shop at 12 Grattan Street in Bushwick. That's the L train to Morgan Avenue. If you're coming from, you know, outside the, the five boroughs or whatever, just uh, you know, send me a note at, at Dr. Lisa Levy SP, contact the station, go on radiofreebrooklyn.org and find out for yourself. It's all written down, okay? You can find out if you forget. So uh, no excuse, no fucking excuses from you. Pine Box Rock, Rock Shop at 12 Grattan Street in Bushwick, noon Saturday, October 3rd. That's this coming Saturday until 7 p.m., Sunday, October 4th. And there's also going to be a voter registration drive. Yeah, if you haven't, look, I know if you're listening to the show, 90% of you have registered to vote, but you idiot, come and register to vote. That one person, come on, we need, everybody needs to vote. Uh, and it's gonna be on, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's a socially distant event. Very safe. Also, Pine Box Rock Shop sells alcohol and snacks. And uh, there's also going to be, we're going to do a live broadcast on Sunday from three to six. And we're going to be inviting members of the public to read some of his most egregious lies. So I hope you come by. I mean, I'm going to be there. 
I kind of helped set it up a bit. So I'm going to be there and we would love to see you, you know, come by, look at the, it's a way to visualize all those lies. I hope your mother told you never lie, right? Well, I guess it didn't work on Trump. He probably yelled at his mother. Can you imagine having him as a kid? Jesus Christ. Let's move on. I'm sorry I'm yelling so much today, but I think that I just am so uh, still jacked up, overwhelmed, uh, mortified by that debate last night, which I'll, I have nothing to add because everybody else is, have plenty to say. Let me get to our guest, who I'm very excited to be here. Jen, hi. Hi, Jen. Hi, Lisa. It's Jen Hitchings. Okay, so here's the deal with Jen Hitchings. Jen Hitchings is so many things, but the thing that's unique about Jen, I've known Jen a while, and um, although I've had enough personal conversations and I enjoy her socially, uh, because we're both involved in the art world and the art world in this area, we, I see her as a real leader in the art world. She has worked at some very prestigious galleries like uh, Pierogi and Leo Koning. She has run uh, galleries herself like Transmitter. But right now, the most exciting thing is an opportunity for everyone, all you creative people, especially your artists, to work with her and to know and benefit from her business that she started, which is called Studio Associates. Um, it's, it's kind of like, I'm going to have Jen explain the whole thing to you, but just my two cents quickly is that it's a, what Jen has done is she's identified some really talented major, uh, major talents and signed them up so that she can help coach them and structure and help them develop their careers. And then um, the business gets a percentage of the sales. And then she also has service. So in other words, you got to get picked for that. Okay. That's not fair. If she likes you, I'm not likes you. If she, if, if she believes in your work and thinks she can do something with you, she will contact you. She only has like 20 artists. This is not a big, so it's a very, it's a very, I'm going to say elite group of artists that she has chosen to work with. And then, but if you want, what she's offering, you can also have her as a consultant at, and she's going to give you a bargain rate till the end of the year. She told me she's going to announce it on the show. So there's two ways and then sign up for her newsletter because you'll get all these opportunities and find out what the other artists are doing, stuff like that. Jen, I am turning it over to you. Please explain Studio Associates in a way that, in a better way than I just did. <laughs> no, that was great, Lisa. Thank you. You you really uh, put it all together quite good. Um, so yeah, I, I represent the business represents 23 artists right now. And as you mentioned, these are artists that I've selected and mostly have worked with in the past. So not only have I been familiar with their work for a long time, but I'm familiar with them as people as well. 
and they're the they're the ones that like if I were to have my own actual normal gallery space, they would be the ones represented by me. Um, but since I don't have a space, I operate primarily digitally. So I do all of the things that a gallery typically does for their artists and I sell their work, but I don't have, you know, an exhibition space. So that's, that's that side of the business, which is like really the visual aspect of, you know, how I put together this group of artists that I think work really well together. I think they're making amazing work. And I think they're really kind of at the forefront of what will be a really substantial career. And I'm trying to just do what I can to help promote them and help make them money. Jen, I just want to ask you a question because I know people are going to hear this. So if somebody wants to, wants to be one of your artists, do you take solicitations or? Um, I don't say, well, I say on the website that I don't accept unsolicited submissions at the moment, which is true. But, you know, that said, I'm always happy to look at. at so somebody, this is what you should do, guys. You should go and look at what the kind of work that Jen is uh, presenting and is drawn to and see if, if you have any connection to that before you send it in. Okay. Before you bug her. Exactly. Look at your own work. Look at her work, the work yeah. she's showing. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then, so the other aspect of the business is we have a listings uh, page, which is full of artist resources, and that's listings of available studios, occasionally apartments, you know, listed by artists, uh, available jobs in the art world, and then available opportunities. So that can include, you know, residency open calls, exhibition open calls, um, grant open calls, things like that, that artists can apply for. And I then- saw- I just want to tell, tell, I'm reinforcing this. So I saw this really great job for like a big studio manager on the site, like a big, big job. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I just want to. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, a lot of those and uh, most of the real, the crux of the listings for me is I've been dealing with this for so long in, in my roles in the art world, like people will tell each other word of mouth wise, you know, I have, a, I'm trying to find a studio. I have a studio that's that, you know, I'm a landlord and I need a new tenant. Um, yeah. You're well connected for sure. You've been in all sorts of, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's putting that all in one, like real cohesive place. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. anyone who's looking for these things can just go to the website and, and find what they're hopefully find what they're looking for. So the third aspect to it, Go ahead. <laughs> Listen to me. Shut up, Lisa. I'm like, this is like the debate last night. Just tell it. You can tell me to shut up. It's no, no problem. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you already emphasized it. The, uh, the private consultations that I offer now to art, to anybody, um, anybody who's looking to kind of present to me. No, I don't, I want, I should say, I don't really exist as like a teacher that will critique work. That's not what I'm trying to do. There are plenty of amazing institutions that do that. But what I'm trying to do is review an artist's, basically their digital presence and the way that they package, present, and talk about their work. Mm-hmm. And I try to help them tighten that up, be better for you know, applications, um, to be more representative of, of their entire, their whole mantra, like their, their essence as an artist. I try to help them alter their website or maybe change their social media strategy to better represent their work. So I do spend... A fair amount of time. I spend an hour. That's the initial consultation. Is consultation is one hour, talking about your practice and what you care about, and also what you think is not working about your career and what mm. is working and like what are the most important mm-hmm. 
you. So it's what, really personal. What kind of things do you, you know, do you feel, I mean, uh, that, that people really don't, don't understand? I mean, they, have they had to deal with a big gallery or what kinds of things have you been? Um, a lot of the questions typically come around networking. Like how do I effectively network with, with galleries is mostly the, the main concern, but I try to break it down to like, who do you need to, to be closer to and, and why, you know, and what, how do you form the meaningful relationships with other people? And it's not just like, it's, that's not just go walking into your favorite gallery and trying to befriend the gallerist and talk about your work. Like I try to go through all of these really nuanced strategies um, regarding networking and regarding like active, like pr properly representing your work online in a way that reflects you as a person and your practice. A lot of artists I find have a hard time with that because they'll, they'll just make a website from like a very generic um, template and it looks like every other artist's website and you know they won't put statements on their pages or something like they just won't always properly present their work in a way that really benefits them. So I spend a lot of time figuring out mm -hmm. what they want to emphasize uh, if they have an unusual practice, which a lot of artists do, like mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you properly portray that to shine the best possible light on what you do? And, and yeah, confidence is another thing that I work through with artists is just how to just to be comfortable talking about your work to people mm -hmm. in person and digitally, like through email and, and all of that. So th those are the, those are the most common issues I see that people have. They're like, I do all this work and it's, you know, I believe in it, but I don't know how to talk to people. Like, I don't know how to make that introduction. How do I talk to someone? So those are the things I mm -hmm. tend to work mm -hmm. through. And because, you know, you've been on all sides and you've worked, um, you know, you've, you've worked in a range, a range of galleries. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you really know how things run. Also, just personally, I want you guys to know that like Jen, like I have genuine respect for Jen. Like she's got real integrity and real smarts. So there are ways to negotiate and navigate the art world. And you don't have to be like a salesperson. You can be a salesperson. You don't have to be. So like, I think she's great for people for, for, I mean, I think she really is able to likely get to what, who you are instead of the kind of, instead of saying, this is who you need to be. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's a really big, uh, valuable, um, you know, quality. That's important, folks. That's important because you're not going to do well if you have to fake who you are. Okay. There, that's great. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, that, <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, to to that point, I I feel like when I try to explain what my quote unquote credentials are, like I did go to art school. I have worked in galleries. I've worked in studios, but I've also taken a taken a lot of business courses. I have a certificate in small business from Hunter College, and I've taken just a ridiculous amount of extracurricular courses about business and writing. Um, and then I do a ton of studying psychology as well. So I try to mix all of these things in. To you, stu you study psychology? I didn't know that. Well, I mean, like, I can't say that I've studied it in any kind of real, you know, academic setting, but I've done yeah, it. Yeah, kind of like me. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you could do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just helps you understand people. I've always been fascinated mm-hmm. with people. And when I was in high school, before I really went down the trajectory of art, I was focused on psychology. That was kind of what I wanted to do. And then I just it changed at some point. So well, I, I read a lot of, for fun. I mean, just to try to understand mm-hmm. how people operate. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah, people are fascinating. They're, we're all freaks, okay? So um, anyway, we wanted to do some therapy here today. So can can you uh, tell us why you came in for some for the session? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking one hurdle I've been having a lot, and it's something I've been actively working on, but I still run into frequently, is elements of fear with regard to vulnerability, especially as a business owner. This is like a new thing I've been feeling, right? Maybe it's just because I'm operating in a different wheelhouse than being an artist suddenly. Um, but I feel like I have a lot of roadblocks where I'll have a project that should be very exciting and I'll get really nervous to approach it in fear of, I don't know, it's like a fear of messing it up, fear of critique, um, fear, you know, imposter syndrome is definitely a thing that I mm-hmm. tend to have. So, yeah. So, I mean, part of that is because you have a new endeavor, right? Yeah. And your, your, where, where does the imposter syndrome come from? Do you think, or what, tell me more about that. I frankly, so I've always thought that probably comes from my background. Um, So I moved to New York 10 years, nine and a half years ago. And uh, I come from a very working class family that is not very, um, they are my family has not traveled much there's no really no creative endeavors not sophisticated huh (laughs) sour saying it's basically like small town let's say that Mm -hmm. Um, but like your interest in art and creativity and all that that's yours alone you didn't have any like like my dad was an architect he you know drew but you didn't have that influence it really came from your your being yeah yeah and i don't know and i feel like because of that you know and everyone in my family pretty much not everyone but a fair amount of people kind of stayed in the town they grew up in and um there's not been this there's there's not been this like overreach for like generating your own i don't know business or passion or following that i've mm-hmm. had been like burning inside what, what did your parents do for a living my mom has been a legal secretary for the majority of her life. Um, mm-hmm. secretarial, secretarial school. She didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was a tile setter. Um, he also didn't go to college. And so mm-hmm. he was in the construction, right. basically. So it's, you know, practical. Did, any, did you brothers and sisters? I am an only child. And you went to college, obviously. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. your parents want you to... What do you, what do your parents make of your, you know, who you are? Um, well, I mean, my parents supported my interest in art when I was a kid, you know, they were, they thought, I mean, I, I was drawing since I was really, really little and yeah. I, yeah, you're natural. Totally. Yeah, I'm a skilled draftsman. I'll say that. So I can look at something and very easily replicate it. Um, and that was just something I did a lot when I was little. I was very, I had severe social anxiety. I was an only child. My parents divorced when I was really little and I was alone a lot. 
So it was like, mm. that's what I did in my free time. Or when I'd go to work with them, I would just, you know, draw um, in their office or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, they kind of like my, my dad honestly supported my interest in music a lot when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Were you talented at that too? <laughs> I did. I did study music concurrently with art. I played trumpet from the age of, I don't know, 10 or so through high school. Um, and then I started playing guitar in middle school and singing and like, that was all like for fun. So he supported that a lot. I think he always, he loved music, but he didn't have any skill in it. So he liked that I had skill. You were studying music and did you ever think, was it a fairly professional, were you thinking, were you at a level where you could have done it or thought about pursuing it professionally? I thought about it and to be honest, I didn't like the idea of like the nightlife aspect of being a musician and I didn't <laughs> like it boring um, because I was so fucking shy. I was like, there's no way. I had horrific stage fright. Like I would, you know, do concerts and I just, I just I hated that's, being in front of That's what people like, all that sex and drugs, alcohol late at night. Oh, wow. You didn't want that. Okay. No, that's why you're good at what you do now. So, all right. <laughs> Uh, but you were, yeah, yeah. So you had that too. So, yeah. but your parents, so your dad want, but anyway, so back to what, how did your parents, uh, you know, navigate, digest the artist person that you were? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it, it's been, I can't, I can't talk critically about what I do to anyone I'm related to. Um, there's no point, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, it's like, I, I'm so deep in this, in this world that we exist in now that I don't feel like I know how to convey it to um, a lot of people that I'm related I, to. I wonder if there's part of it that that's like a barrier for an, uh, being close to your family because your interests are so powerful and committed and unique to you, but no one in your family can, they don't understand what you do, I'm guessing. Is that right? Not really. I mean, in, in theory, I think they kind of do, but I don't know. I just kind of avoided trying. I do speak about some of the business aspects of what I do, but you know, that can be quantified in a way, but a do lot you, of, do you feel like they take it seriously and respect it? Um, Maybe not. That's not a firm yes. <laughs> not really. I mean, there, here's one example. Like, my grandfather, who's my only last living grandparent, um, was recently, I was recently with him and he was, I was talking about what everything, what was going on in my life. And he knows about my interest in business and he helped me to pay for the business certificate I received because he oh. liked doing that and he wanted to help me get there so that was a couple years ago and then you know during this pandemic bullshit I lost my main source of employment I'm explaining that and then he was kind he was like you know I think you should go back to school and I was like for what and he was like well for something practical so you can change your vocation and make money and I was like oh my god I, I'm running my own business like I'm just confused here like I did the thing that I thought you wanted me to do, I'm doing it currently. <laughs> and it's just like this, like, I don't, no one understands why I live in the city. Like, uh, and he's from Brooklyn. It's just confusing. I don't know. There's that's really disappointing or difficult. I think that's really, I think that's 
I think that's really difficult. I think it's really difficult because um, I think it's really hard to picture your, like, I'm going to call you a serious businesswoman. Okay. I mean, that's what you are. Uh, this is what we're, guys, we're talking about what a fun, crazy, wacky, vulnerable, interesting, messy personality Jen is. But if you, if you get to know her in a social situation, but otherwise she's just like, perfect. She's, <laughs> she's very articulate. She's very, she is very put together. That's, she's got both sides and it, it's, it's a real skill and talent and it's very powerful to be so, it's a real asset but it's very rare. We don't know what to do with people like that. Okay. So, um, anyway, uh, so, but what I'm saying is, is like inside, it seems like, like you can't picture like as a kid growing up, like, like it must be hard for you to picture yourself as a serious businesswoman coming from the background that you did because that that person doesn't exist in your family portrait is right. that right yeah and you know i feel like i should specify also the other and, and aside from just the criticism of going into a creative industry i think it's maybe more so this idea of entrepreneurship in general like you know a lot of people in this country especially think you you go to school you get a job with benefits and you work it until you can retire. And, you know, along the way, it's like you've got, you're working that job so that you can provide, you can buy a house and a car and have a family. And that's the structure and mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur and to not want that safety is fucking scary. And a lot of people don't do it for that reason. And right. I've decided that's what I want to do. I don't like working for other people. I just, mm -hmm. I don't like working for, a lot of like established entities. I think I have a lot more creative ideas that should be manifested and, and I should utilize that and pursue it. So I think that's a thing. And I know that's a huge thing for most entrepreneurs. Like when you go through these programs of like how to get ready to start your own business, like foundation number one is everyone's going to tell you you're out of your mind. And this mm. is the dumbest thing you could ever do. Like don't quit your day job. That's just what they tell you, that everyone's going to think you're crazy. And mm. I feel like I've, I have come to accept that. And it's like, well, they're just going to think I'm crazy that I don't want a nine to five job. I just mm -hmm. don't want that. So what I'm wondering about is like you've um, had a lot of uh, big, you know, you've done, a, you've accomplished a lot. Like, do you feel like that you, you have felt like, like when you look back on the things that you've done, have you been like, well, that was hard. I got that done. Well, I mean, most of, most of the things that you've wanted to, that you've tried to make happen, do you feel like you've made them happen? Like that kind of thing? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the struggle, like the amount of, oh God, so many times in my life where I just have like no money and just every hour of my day is filled with doing things. Um, I mean, a good example is even just this past fall was probably the hardest time of my life because, 
it, in September, I took a second job. I was working at a gallery four days a week, and then I took a second job as an archivist two days a week. I was running transmitter, which was my nights, and like occasionally my seventh day of the week was sitting at the gallery. I was in a band, we were playing shows, and I was trying to maintain my studio practice. And I was founding Studio Associate. I had just started it. So that was like literally five endeavors that take up every midday mid of my brain space. It's not like, you know, most of those jobs are not, you go into work and you go home. It's like, you gotta be present the whole time. You have to respond to shit immediately. It's just, it was, it was so psychotic, but I did it because First of all, I wanted to, I was really broke and I just like needed to make more money. I needed a new computer. This is like the main thing. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah. And it's so expensive. And I'm being hired for this job, this archivist position, which I really, really, really wanted. And I was like, this is the only way to make it work. I can't just have that job. I won't be able to make ends meet. So I took the second one. I just mm. went all in and it was like, yeah. what were those days like? Oh God, it was so, I was at the gallery uh, Wednesday through Saturday, you know, 10 to six. And then I was at the archivist position in Soho from on Mondays and Tuesdays from 10 to four. Uh, evenings, a lot of times late night evenings, I would have band rehearsal. Thursday, uh, and then the Sundays were either like at transmitter or in the studio trying to do work or like, enjoy my life a little bit it was just oh, jesus chaos. that's horrible it was so crazy i like can't believe i made it through that but wow um but i did and in the end it was it was perfectly serendipitous because in april was when the you know the pandemic was really bad and i lost my gallery job and i was able to keep the archivist position and so it worked out but i'm wondering i'm wondering um why you how how you wind up pushing yourself so hard like what what's what is that is there a is there some masochism in there or trying to prove it to yourself or what what is it what is there in there there uh, i think there is probably some masochism there's probably this desire to like occupy a lot of my time doing something that I think will benefit me professionally later. But, uh -huh. but also occupying my time because I, I've definitely like had a lot of moments where if there's not much going on, I get very, very in my head and I get really depressed and feel like I'm worthless. So if I'm doing something, you know, for someone else, at least uh, until pretty recently, I think I've kind of gotten beyond that now, but I felt uh -huh. like I should be doing something and part of something bigger for someone else um and occupying my time and honestly the in my mind that shift happened when i was in college and mm -hmm. um i was a junior and my dad passed away suddenly from a, a stroke oh, oh when, my god really yeah wow. he, he was oh. 49 and it was completely oh. out of order. uh it was crazy oh that must have been horrible when something sudden like that happens it's so shocking and oh yeah i mean oh. that, that just completely changed my life for in so many ways i can't even explain it but i feel like after a while i noticed you know this idea of post-traumatic growth is something i experienced where i just oh. kind of basically watched 
someone's life end so quickly and knowing he hadn't achieved so much of what he wanted to do. And I was just like, at that moment, I was like, wow, I can't waste any time doing bullshit. I mean, I got to either like enjoy my life or be making it work and achieving my goals. And mm -hmm. I fill my time and get it in like as quickly as possible because I don't want to end up doing the mm -hmm. same thing. So and that just changed the way that I operate. I was definitely a much more like relaxed, kind of lazy, you know, mm -hmm. kid before mm -hmm. that. And I was 20 at the time. So it just was like, I got to I got to make this work. So you really understood mortality in like a really like all of one day. Yeah. How, how did your mother did? Did you did your mother that must have been really tough on both of you? Did you get support or how did yeah. you and your mother get through that? That must have been was she well to help you? I mean, you were really young. You need some support, too. I mean, how did that work out? Well, the family dynamics were kind of complicated at the time. That my parents split when I was five or six, so they hadn't right. been together for a very long right. time. And my dad had been engaged to a woman and involved with this family for 10 years, and then he left that relationship, and then he married this other woman, and she has three kids. So I converted uh, into this second step family, essentially, when I was seven. Uh, and, uh, when you were seven? Uh, 17. 17 oh my god there's three years before yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so that and then he had moved back up so he for 10 years of my life when i was younger between 8 and 17 or so he lived a few hours away with this other family and then he came back up to the same town we were both from in uh, north jersey in lincoln park and he was living with that family uh, only for like a year and a half before he passed away so and she the woman he married was not fond of my mom. Um, mm -hmm. So not for anything of my mom's fault. She just didn't yeah. like the woman that he had married and was with her. Sure. Years, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, that's under whatever. Yeah. That's, that's something that so the woman should have managed in her own mind. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. So that was the, yeah, that was the situation. So when he was at the hospital, you know, my mom was living in a, a mile away from the hospital. And it was like, she was not allowed to see him while he was in the, so he was in a coma for three days and my mom was not allowed to come see him. It was like, my stepmom was like, no. So, but when things were going south, I called her, you know, at six in the morning and she came to the hospital and she, she was there. My boyfriend at the time was there. Um, and you were there. Yeah, we, we were all there when it happened, which, I mean, for anyone who has or has not experienced actually seeing someone die, it's, it's, it's insane. It's an insane experience. And there's nothing like that. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's just like you see a living person and then they are just a body. It's very different. It's, it's crazy. So, oh. so yeah. And, but I was in college. So like I had to go back to school and I just wanted to get back into life. I didn't want to like dwell on it. Off. yeah I didn't I really just didn't want to like let it eat me alive so Do you feel like that like what I, I mean that sounds like a very um alienating situation like I'm picturing you know you you know you're uh was a woman neutral towards you or was she she was she was kind she was very kind to me and she made a pretty big effort to 
have like a unified family for the, it was not long. It was only a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. She made a big effort, um, which I appreciated. She, mm-hmm. things got very complicated after his death and I, I did not talk to her anymore. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's not a good sign no. <laughs> of what went down. What about the, the other kids, the brother, half brother, whatever they are? Yeah. Not those kids. Are you friendly with them or? Um, her kids, I was at the time, but things just kind of dissolved. Everyone kind of just moved mm-hmm. on there. So um, here's what I think I'm getting to. Did you have any fucking support? <laughs> um, my mom did. Yeah. My mom was there for me for sure. And she's always been that way. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about that whole experience. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she was there for me. It was, you know, I did have to go back to and move back to college an hour away and just try to remain mm-hmm. all, like on but my that, work. That's a very outsiderly, outsidery second, and I'm just going to say this, second class experience because that was your father and he was your father first. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, like he was your father and you, you know, uh it's kind of like at that point everything else took over and that was so late in your life and you all your early memories and all your bonding and all that other stuff was with him but no one that you were in the room with probably even your mother really knew anything about the relationship that you had with your dad right yeah so that was very that must have been very isolating yeah and and then being an artist in a blue collar family on top of it you must have felt very very isolated yeah and you know it's we were talking before about this dustin yellen interview um with tim ferris that i listened to yesterday he has a really kind of similar he describes this his first like experience of death of a friend and it i just related so much to him because he also grew up with his mom working a lot and he just kind of had to do like figure out everything on his own. And um, I mean, I'm, I don't know so much about his background, but like that I relate to because mm-hmm. I'm an only child. You know, my parents divorced when I was really little. I spent a lot of time alone being shipped across, you know, to different families, like just mm-hmm. to just to be. You know, my mom was always there for me, but mm-hmm. a lot and a lot single, of my like single like, mom is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Just like figuring it out it's when you don't have anyone to you don't have a sibling to like work through friendships with or like mm-hmm. anything um to identify with mm-hmm. yeah just yeah. to have the same experience with that's what i'm saying it's like very very isolating yeah it's definitely like a which i don't know i wonder how often i assume a lot of people who run their own businesses have this kind of like loner mentality where it's like well there's no one there to to help do this, that, or the other thing. So I'm just gonna do it by myself and like figure out how to make it work um, and learn from friends and mentors. But like a lot of my life has just been figured it out on my own. Well, you know, I mean, it seems to me like in a way that you, ha- you, your competency, your extreme competency and learning how to do things is because of what you went through growing up And I'm also thinking that like what you went through with your dad and, you know, the mortality, you know, viewing mortality and what you said 
you know, you didn't want to, you wanted to accomplish things, not waste your time. Mm-hmm. So the drive comes from that a lot. And it makes sense that if you're really competent in making anything happen that you that you feel like you can like, oh, you, you know, that you know how to get through any blocks, obstacles, practical obstacles. And then also all the drive, mix that in with all the drive that you have to make your time count and, and mean something and add up to something that I think those two qualities together would make you a bargain for any employer. And you probably realize that all that energy that you're giving away is something that is, you could be making a lot, not just the money, you could be getting a lot more done. Yeah. Yeah. And money's part of that. You probably just feel like there's part of you that definitely knows like you're way too valuable to be working for somebody else. It, I mean, it's a mix of, I guess it depends on the role, right? Like I've, I've had some jobs that were so meaningful. They taught me so much and I felt like I was really, you know, vital to the organization and it felt like this perfectly mutually beneficial situation. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of that, those, but then I've had a lot of, like you're saying, like jobs where I was employed for a while, uh, full time by an artist and I did like nothing for them. I mean, my job was pretty much to like, sit there and occasionally coordinate a few minor things. Uh, it was so, it was such an enormous waste of my time that it was just and at the time it was kind of, I don't know. I just, again, I feel like I have this imposter syndrome where I was like, I can't believe I'm being chosen to be the studio manager of this great job that like pays me a decent salary. And then I was in there and I was like, wow, I don't give a shit about this. I don't care about what I'm doing and I'm not going to do a good job by anybody's standards because mm-hmm. it was not what I wanted to do. It wasn't what I wanted to be. It was, like, was, was that disillusioning? I'm assuming it's a really big artist. So was that disillusioning to be, because um, I think that's really bad management of any business for any business owner where you have somebody on staff that isn't that you're not utilizing and uh you know the only reason you'd want them there is to make your to shore up your own confidence or to have company but if you're not using the person you hire that's bad management so i'm blaming them for not giving you anything to do but did it disillusion you when you when you work with that person what did you learn from that um, or what were you just dis- go on say some shitty things about how artists operate I want to know I want to know the inside scoop say some shitty things go ahead I mean this particular situation was so I hope it was so unique and I hope there's not a lot of situations like this I don't mm-hmm. know this brought me into a different world of understanding access to resources you know this person had unlimited access to to resources and you mean money they, they they're from a rich family uh, yeah, they kind of came into it later in life. But or whatever. Yeah. They had the cash. No problem. <laughs> Tons of cash. Yeah, I mean, it was just... Mm-hmm. Oh, and, man. And, and so, were they doing well in the art world? Did they have... A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like complete, you know, nothingness. There was some, uh, some good things were coming out of this person's career, but it was not even remotely on the level of the expenses, the expenditure and the grandeur of their operations, not even fucking close. I mean, we, there were so many people that worked there 
and uh, it was it was a weird experience because I didn't think those people existed again like I'm from a place where like you work for what you get and you earn it and this person was just throwing like money into a furnace essentially every single day <laughs> like, I love that it was just and you know what else though like you're mentioning that not being not not utilizing what I had to offer not only that but this person and the like the like harem that they had kind of cultivated in the studio mm. setting mm -hmm. verbally just trashed everything that I stood for right in front of me like there were mo mo multiple moments where they would complain about how like lame the Bushwick art world was and how like all this stuff and I was just sitting there like you know what I do you know like oh, they the did and they knew yeah, at the time I was involved with Arts in Bushwick, you know, I was organizing. Yeah, it was a great, or yeah, 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 big, big organization, powerful, too yeah. powerful is what happened. I know, that's yeah, another, I know. That's, that's for another time, but so they were like, you mean, but, but like snotty, not like, yeah. not like, um, not about the work or anything like that, just about the, the, the status really. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's fine. It's like that made me also realize that there are a lot of different microcosms in the art world. There are a lot of them that don't intersect really. And like mm -hmm. a lot of those people, I just, it was illuminating to see like one aspect, one world of that mm -hmm. where all these people were friends with each other, but there was not much intersection with like my community. It was interesting. I have a question. So if you have enough money, can you buy your way into the art world as an artist? If you have enough money? <sighs> see, a that's little bit of how much talent can it compensate for lack of talent and drive does person work hard uh that was what i was trying to figure out to be honest when i was at that job and like other experiences i've had since then sure i think it can to a degree but it will never it will never fully work it'll never work like if, mm -hmm. if the if the work itself is not good if the person itself that themselves does not believe in it and does not make the effort, I don't think they're going to get to where they want to be. I just don't. There are too many. Plus this world, this mm -hmm. art world is full of highly intuitive people that are highly analytical and they can tell a lot of people can sniff out a fraud pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I <laughs> not quick enough, but yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of that. So I, I do, I do really believe in like the accountability of most of the people in this. Industry. So, so you didn't feel like this artist had a real commitment to the work is what you're saying. No, I don't think so. That wasn't. Oh, okay. Got it. They were really playing at being an artist. That sounds much more fun than actually being an artist. <laughs> so um, anyway, so that's what it seems like to me that you've, you have proven, you have witnessed um everybody getting a bargain basement jen hitchings in their business and now you're beginning to understand that that jen hitchings could be doing a lot more for jen hitchings than other people if you yeah, just yeah i mean i don't want to say it. i don't want to make it sound so much like oh i'm such hot shit, which i don't think is true there's definitely things i'm not good at um and there's definitely positions i've had that i should humility is not your problem don't worry about it <laughs> That's what we're trying to adjust here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true though. But no, like, I know, I know. There's things that just like the fit isn't right. You think it might work out with a with the job or a partnership, even in in business or a friendship or something. You think it might work, mm -hmm. and then 
some point it's like, ah, this is neither of us really benefiting the other one in, in the proper way. So mm -hmm. um, I've had so a lot here, here's what, here's what I'm wondering if, um, if, if like you could use some more, if this would be helpful to you, this is what I'm wondering if you're missing this. So what, what I'm hearing is somebody who has a can do attitude, uh, and, and it's proven out over and over and over. Uh, but you've had a hard time. You have a hard time. I think perhaps like integrating on a peer level with other people that you're working with. Does that make any sense? Um, sometimes yeah. I mean, when, when they're like, projects that aren't for, you know, like transmitter and stuff like that. But I'm wondering if you're getting enough support. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if there are enough people that are like, uh, um, you know, you have your own business. I think that, you know, you have your childhood sounds like there's been a lot of and, you know, I don't have a degree, so you can tell me I'm bullshit. I just want you to know that. But um, but it sounds like, you know, you've been isolated and you've self-isolated. Like, I know that you're a lot more outgoing than when I first met you. And because you're so talented and you present in such a polished way, people assume a lot of things about you. Probably, like, you're from a wealthy family. And she's also really, like, you know, pretty and everything else. Like, you know what I mean? Blonde hair and all that shit. But it's um, so people just nicely dressed, very well put together. So the thing is, is like, I think people just look at you and they think you're one person, but you're really not that person inside. And I wonder if the, the, the person inside is getting support from people outside because people are, they, they, they don't see that person right away inside and you're not you don't have you don't expect to get support because why the fuck would you start now why would people so i'm wondering if you have enough support in your life and enough people who really believe in you and i don't know who the i mean <laughs> yeah i think I, we i think that's common yeah. but do you do you well that's that's a really good question and i i wonder i'm sure everyone has their own um, bar of like what is enough support you know what's the pro how many people that really uh, know you I'm a black hole so let's start with that okay never enough support for me but go ahead yeah yeah I mean it's yeah I don't know I, I have not felt that there's been enough support in my life for a long time until pretty recently I want to say like professionally there's been people that have believed in me in a way that I don't, I still to this day don't understand. Like, I don't understand why Joe and Susan at Pierogi believed in me enough to hire me when I was 22. Like, oh my gosh, an art student from a uneducated family knew like nothing about, like, re I really knew nothing. I knew nothing. I had to learn fucking everything after college. I mean, and you worked for them for how long though? They're such a wonderful couple. Oh, and so brilliant. They've made such an important Pierogi it's such an important force in the art world for so, so long. I don't know, for whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're really important. That's yeah. an important or, important gallery, organization, whatever. So how long did you work for them? Um, from 
from when I started interning until when I left, I think was a little under five years. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So, you did that. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> that was real. They really, and yeah. they were probably really upset when you left. Right. It was, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was such a family. That's the way that they operate. They only work with great people from every aspect. From That's the right. To, you know, to writers, to collectors, to curators, everybody yeah. that they touch with is like a genuinely passionate, authentic person. And yeah. I became very close with everybody there. Um, you know, their uh -huh. nephew is one of the artists that I represent the studio associate. He's one of my best friends. So it was like, so you must have felt supported there, right? Yeah. But yeah, you were I, also very young. You were in a, and I find, I find this out in the world that like a lot of times people love getting behind a young up and comer, but then when somebody's really uh, established and realize they get competitive. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was something I was, I put up this quote yesterday about mm -hmm. like, I was thinking a lot about this, about how important it is, especially as a business owner, and our, all artists are business owners, so that includes every single creative person, uh, how important it is to prioritize collaboration and actual support over competition and envy, because that's a lot of people get to a point, and I feel this with some other women, especially that like operate in sort of similar stratospheres, me, not the mm -hmm. same, but they, certain people act like competitors, and they don't want to help each other, and... <laughs> Artists do that all yeah. the time. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> That's horrible. Like, and it's, I just don't think that will ever get anybody anywhere. Um, you have to support each other and, and work together. And, uh, you know, part of me deciding to go off on my own with Studio Associate instead of, you know, collaborating with other directors, let's say at Transmitter or um, other collaborative endeavors was like, I want to do, I want to establish my own thing first and then see how to weave in partnerships where it makes sense and that's what i've wow. been so the partnerships have been like these are things i'm working out with two other companies you know like figuring out how to work with each other to help each other um mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense but it's not employment it's a different engagement than than being an employee for an employer it's like you know so that's something i've been trying to figure out how to operate in a way that is more supportive and mut always mutually beneficial. It's like, let's figure out what skills that person has that I need and that what I have and they need, mm -hmm. how to work together. Okay, we only have uh, four and a half minutes left. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to get in, uh, you know, the information about about Studio Associates again. And uh, so, but, um, so I think that you sound like you've made like some really, uh, ridiculously uh, sensible, you know, uh, uh, just mature and directed decisions. They all like fucking add up. It's like making, yeah, oh my God. Glad Good example. <laughs> I think the, the hard part is that you need to enjoy it more. And I think that's the hard part. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you sound so sensible. Um, and, 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 you know, you're on an, you've been and continue to be on an upward path. So I just think that you need to, you need some validation and the best way to, to do that is to get your own validation. But if you can't do that, it would be good to have a strategy to get some outside validation. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like this interview is some of that. It's like, you oh, know, I'm it's so like, glad. In a I'm way, so it's, glad. It's, so I, I want to talk about that strategy, but unfortunately, we've run out of time, and I want to make sure I got it. Uh, but it's something I, I would love to hear if you, if, you know, think about it. Write, write a couple of sentences, and I'll include it when I post the interview. Is that, is that okay? Would you do that for us? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. So tell us um, all the information about, and tell us the discount. You're giving a discount on consultation. Tell us the information about Studio Associates. Go ahead. Yeah. So the website itself is just studioassociate.com. And there's a lot of information there. But as far as the consultation goes, um, I'm offering those right now until the end of this year for $75. And It'll be 150 after that. But basically what it entails is a one hour phone conversation again with me about your practice and what you want to work on. And then I compile this long PDF of basically those notes and suggestions. I have some exercises that I have people do, which are really kind of meant to have them ask themselves why they make work, what they make work about, what they need to work on as far as like digital presentation um, and then what they, what else they need help with. And then we do a follow-up conversation a week later and go over all of their answers. And then I, I help do things like I'll help rewrite your CV. I'll help rewrite your statement. Um, and if there's something they're working on at the time, like an application, I'll, I'll include that review as well. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. I think the newsletter is great. What's the newsletter? The newsletter is called the switchboard. Um, I love that. That's another thing. I'm yeah. just totally in love with it. Great so newsletter. Thank you. Oh, yeah. and just sign up for that. Mm -hmm. It's the switchboard or? Yep, the switchboard. You it's on your website. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So let me, uh, thank you so much. This was great. I really enjoyed talking with you. A lot to think about. I'm going to be thinking about it myself. Uh, so I just want to remind people about what we're doing this weekend because it's going to be a really big weekend at Radio Free Brooklyn and I'm going to be there and and all our people are going to be there and you're coming so yes, come, coming. come by you, you Jen's going to be there you can like uh tell her how great she is you know <laughs> get in line I'll tell you how great you are <laughs> Uh, but anyway, come see the Wall of Lies, which is going to be on Saturday and Sunday at Pine Box Rock Shop, which is 12 Grattan Street in Brooklyn. It's a wall of the 2,000 plus lies that that guy who uh, is the head of white supremacy uh, for our country, um, uh, has said why he's in charge of things or supposedly in charge of things. I don't know who's in charge of things, but anyway, uh, come by mostly cause it's got a really cool, cool mural and we're going to have a really good time. There's going to be voter registration, uh, beer, wine, dr drinks, 